Welcome to the Must Love Self podcast. My name is Carly Israel and I am your host. What is Must Love Self all about? It's about our bodies, our worth, and our voices. It is a movement, an attitude. It is a decision. It is a project. It is a journey. It is a life choice. Every week I get to interview a brave woman who may not be perfect, but is on the path and is willing to share their ugly and their beautiful. I have my new friend, Melissa Warner, on here. And like I've mentioned before, Must Love Self is about women from all over the world showing up and being courageous and having these brave conversations. And what I love about this is we don't know each other. And after this conversation, we're going to know each other at a deeper level than most people miss out on for years. So I'm excited. Thank me you too. Here. <laughs> you tell me, why did you say yes to this crazy conversation? Um, well, I spent most of my life, most, I was going to say adult life, but most of my life really until a couple years ago in a deep, with a deep sense of self-hate um, and self-rejection and zero confidence and I was able to turn it around of course I'm still working on it but I guess we're all a work in progress uh and it's been such an incredible experience I'm really I I thought my life was just going so downhill I couldn't get it together and then now it's taken a, a turn upturn and it's very exciting I can't wait to hear so we're going to go backwards before we get to the present so we can find out how you got here. But I'm so grateful for your courage to share that because, you know, it's so easy on social media or out in the world to just post a happy picture and make everybody think our lives are great. But what this does is it gives each other permission to acknowledge that we're all struggling. So I'm grateful for you. One thing I want to ask you, and I've noticed that women in my same age category, which I'm imagining we're close to it don't have a problem talking about their age, but I do know that there's certain women that do not like to talk about their age. And I want to kind of dig into that because I have no problem acknowledging my age. Do you have an issue with your age? I don't anymore. I'm 38. Okay. Um, I'll be 39 in May. But before a couple years ago, I had a huge problem with my age. I was freaking out about being, you know, 35. Oh my God, 40. Oh my God, that's so old. And now I'm actually excited about 40. I have no problems with it. What do you um, think was causing you to feel so anxious about your age before? I had a lot of huge goals for myself and I wasn't accomplishing any of them. <laughs> um, and I was afraid that, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be 40 and what do I have to show for myself kind of That's thing. That's really interesting. So for you, Age wasn't about, oh my goodness, I'm going to lose my youth. It was about, I'm missing time. Time is going away because I have this idea of what success needs to look like and I'm running out of time. Right. That's really That's interesting. One of the things that I wanted to um, ask you, because this is something I've come up, up against, is I've needed to redefine what success is to me. 
and for me. Have you done any of that kind of work to figure out what it means to be successful for you as a woman? Yes, I I cared quite a bit. Excuse my bird chirping. That's okay. I, cared, I cared just quite a bit about what everyone thought of me. So success for me, I don't think I truly realized it, but it included just having everyone impressed with me. Um, everybody liking me was very important. And that's totally been flipped on its head. I'm okay if somebody says, I don't like you. Okay. Isn't you know? that so freeing? <laughs> it's the most liberating thing ever. <laughs> Do you know what I wish? I wish I could have gone back to high school and been the Carly I am today then because I was so exhausted, constantly wanting everyone to like me and to be okay. And I right. wish I would have just had myself to be like, just chill out. Like it doesn't even matter. I'm so glad you shared that. Um, I want to get a baseline. So if we're going to do a scale of one to 10, but between the three concepts of our body image, our, our self-worth and our ability to use our voice, if one is like, I'm a monster to myself and 10 is I'm aware I'm a pretty incredible human, where would you say you are right now when you consider your own body image? My body image is, is actually pretty, pretty high, which is another strange thing to me. I would say it's, uh, maybe an eight. That's great. I, why, yeah. Why is that strange? I just always hated my body. I had as a teenager, even though I was slim, then, um, I had an eating disorder for a little while. It wasn't too severe, but certainly my eating habits were not healthy. And then my weight just kind of crept up. Um, and I was always beating myself up for that. And when I started loving myself, that's when I was able to lose a whole bunch of weight. And it feels good. I feel healthy. That's really what I'm trying to focus on myself is not making it about words uh, that were typically assigned to like bodies, but making it about, do, am I healthy? Am I putting food in my body that's going to make it feel strong and is going to take care of it rather than what I used to be like, because I had a bad eating disorder and I would look at food as like an enemy and I would mm. think what it's going to do to me and how I'm going to have to torture myself if I allow myself to have it. And that's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. It was either there was good food or bad food. Most foods were bad. Like it was just a terrible relationship with food. And there was a ton of guilt associated with eating. Um, yes. And <laughs> you know what I was thinking about today, because I, I have every like morning to afternoon, some time in the morning, and afternoon, I have because I can't have gluten. So I have like a yummy, yummy, like gluten-free bread toasted with like almond butter and sliced bananas and fruit. I used to not allow myself to have any sort of nut butter because it was fattening or bananas because they were the bad fruit. And I had all <laughs> these rules, like you're nodding. Like, can you relate to that? Remember yes. that you can't have that. That'll make you fat. And I'm like, that makes no sense. These are actually really healthy really good foods if you talk to a scientist but when society tells us you know on an ad don't eat this or you're gonna get belly fat and i'm i love it i'm like that with fruit now i eat as much fruit as i want um before oh if i have two apples a day oh that's all oh, those carbs in that apple ah. right and now i find that utterly ridiculous and I exhausting just, yes 
I'm yeah. happy to hear that. What do you think about your number one through 10 between what you consider your worth that you're aware of that you are aware of your worth and you definitely put yourself in a position to have people see your worth? I feel like I'm pretty up there with that one too. Um, I would say the same, maybe nine. That's great. And what about your ability to use your voice to advocate for yourself? That one I'm still working on. Um, that, that one would have been like a zero before. So now I'm gonna say it's maybe like a seven. Awesome. Not, not terrible, but. So before, a couple of years ago, before you, you started getting healthy, which we're gonna talk about, you would say your voice is at a zero. What was your body at a couple of years ago? Uh, um, maybe like a three. And what about your sense of self-worth? Uh, two or three. Isn't that amazing how far you've come, right? I can't wait to hear about your journey. So going backwards, can you tell me what the women in your life were like when you were a little girl, what you saw, whether positive or negative or both, of what women were supposed to behave like or look like or act like? What was around you? Um, well, my, my mother worked... Okay, my mother worked a very um, nine to five job. She was very responsible financially. She, I felt like she didn't have a lot of fun. Um, and I don't know, the, when I was a kid, I went, to, I went to Catholic school. And so there's a lot of strictness there. And in high school, I went to all girls Catholic school. So we were you know, supposed to behave in a certain way. Um, I think- Were you I, told in those in those schools about how women or girls needed to be? Like, was, was there a message that you received? And did you feel any sort of pressure or was it more freeing because it was all girls and you didn't have the pressure of being attractive? Well, I was, I don't know, I was very timid. I think I, I cared so much what the other girls thought of me, um, but it was definitely, like we were supposed to be kind of angel, angelic, I would say, is the message I got. Um, they did like mixers. There was a corresponding like boys school. They did mixers and it was all very supervised. And, you know, some girls of course had reputations still. And I, I was, I was just on the other, I was on the shy side completely. So that wasn't really a concern, but the standards were very high uh, as far as my academics. So I had a lot of pressure on me to perform that way. I think that was the biggest. Was that from your family or from a school or from yourself? All of the above. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, a little kid, I started doing well in school all the time. And I noticed that my mother especially was really, really excited about that. But I mean, she supported me for sure, but I felt like it got, I got more love for her from her when I was performing well in school. Um, That's such an interesting thing to hear because I, so I'm younger than my brother and he did not do well in school. And I remember my family constantly talking to him and begging him and making a huge deal about him doing well. And because I grew up in an alcoholic home, there were so many issues. 
So I made the conscious decision. I have to do really well so I don't have more issues. But I think what I'm hearing from both of us is that we picked up on the adults in our life and how they reacted to how well we performed. And yeah. I, I just, you know, I, I'm a mother of three boys today. And I have to say, like, I, I love hearing this from you so I can be more mindful to kind of just be even all across the board, right? Like not get too excited when you do great and not get too excited when you don't do well and not put their worth on their activities. Right. Um, yeah, and there's definitely a lot of that. I mean, I was, my father had a son from a second marriage, but it was my mother's only child as well. So I think that had a lot to do with it. She, she didn't feel like she had done well in school. So seeing me succeed was a big deal. Uh, but then in high school, when I got a job and I got a car, my grades slipped, which means I brought home a couple B's and she like freaked out about it. Right. You know, I was going to go to Ivy League schools and I had all these, everything planned out and it didn't quite go that way, um, but that's okay now. So, but there was a lot of pressure on myself that I put on myself too. I just feel like I have maybe a natural drive to succeed a natural perfectionism that's kind mm -hmm. of, you know, just in my DNA. So there was definitely that it wasn't just my parents. Right. I can relate to that. And I also find that that ended up blocking me because I ended up focusing so hard on that in all areas. So when I was in my eating disorder, I used that same exact, you know, skill. And but it can also help me today when I really want to focus on being healthy and not going down that road and really working hard at that level, right? So it's interesting right. how we can flip that. At what age do you remember being conscious of your body? Very young. Um, and I was thinking about this recently. I was looking at a, an old photo from a dance recital and I was wearing, they had us wear these little skimpy outfits uh, that right now kind of, I look at it and it kind of turns me off, but I remember even then feeling like chubby for a little while. I was a, a chubby kid, not, you know, hugely obese, but um, I felt heavier than, you know, most of the girls in the class. And, and was that like a negative thing or were you just aware of it? It was a negative thing for sure. I used to have just, well, I still do such a sweet tooth. And I remember I would like go in the cabinet to eat a cookie and I need another one and another one and another one. And until I was sick to my stomach, I've always had kind of an addictive yeah. type behavior. Um, so yeah, I was, I would say I was, I don't know, maybe even like first grade age when I first became conscious of it. And what age did you develop your eating disorder and what was going on then that, that you ended up going down that road? I think I was about 17, 18. It went to from late high school to like my first couple years in college. I don't know. I had actually, you know, I look at pictures of myself in high school. I thought I was so fat. And I can relate to that so much. And all the pictures that we can see of ourselves now, right? Not all of them, but a lot of them. I remember my mother and I were just talking about this. And we just did our first episode with her and there was a picture of her like in the garden and she was so skinny and we look at it today we're like oh my god you were so skinny but she thought at that she, she said she can remember being in that moment and feeling 
fact. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know about you, but I almost describe that feeling as a, as a feeling. It's not actually a physical thing. It's we feel it. Right. In a really emotionally painful way. Yeah, my um, my girlfriends, when I was about that age, I had like three really close girlfriends and they were all very small, like size zero. And I was maybe a six. So compared to them, I felt big. And Which is so crazy because that's like a gorgeous figure and hard to get. But right. it's, it's true. I grew up in a high school that was like 902 and 0. And if you weren't <laughs> a zero or two, they called you fat. Yeah. And you believed it. So yeah. at that time, what happened with your, your eating and, and what, if you're comfortable talking about it? Oh, I am. Um, I would, it was either one extreme or the other. I would binge eat usually out of some negative emotion and I'd go and get a pint of Ben and Jerry's. I love sweets. And then I would try to make myself throw up. Sometimes I was not successful. Sometimes I was, um, when I wasn't successful at making myself throw up because it's not a pleasurable activity, no. I would then further beat myself up. Like you can't even do bulimia right. <laughs> and then <laughs> the next day I would starve myself or go work out for like four hours. Lots of punishing kind of behavior. And you yeah. know, I can relate to that so much. I had an active eating disorder from like around 9, 10 to 21. And then... I had the mean inner voice that like you were just saying would punish myself for behavior. And it was so up until a couple of years ago, I made that decision, which I'm excited to hear about yours, where I was like, I don't want to live like this anymore. This is like being in prison. Yeah. Where you, you get in trouble from yourself. Yeah. No matter what I did, I was saying, you know, you're bad. You're not doing this right. Right. But I couldn't figure out how to eat normally. It just didn't make sense to me. Um, I, I didn't, I don't do things well in moderation. Me either. <laughs> Did anyone notice around you what was going on? No. Um, I, I don't believe so. I, I think, I don't know. I didn't do stuff like I would hide it when I would binge, I would hide it as well as I could. So I don't think I set off any alarms. You know, one misconception I would love to talk about for a minute is that people, at least in in my experience, sometimes people think in society that you're not really bulimic or anorexic or whatever if you're not like one of those scary looking women that's like in those, you know, after school specials that like look like a Holocaust survivor. That's not what it's necessarily like. It's like what me and you were talking about. It's restrictive behavior, over-exercising, punishing. Now I need to go throw up. I I'm so we call it I'm so bad I just ate really bad and it's just it's about secrecy and control and shame and just it's just this mean life that you have to live and what is even more insulting is that people on the outside don't know because we don't look air quote like the typical super skinny person yet we are making our bodies miserable Right. And I I think I had the most shame over the fact that I couldn't control my eating. If I had something that was tasty, I wanted more and more and more of it. And then I'd be so embarrassed, like, you know, my mother's going to notice that all the Oreos are gone. Where did they go? Um, But I, I couldn't understand why I couldn't just have one. 
So that was the, the biggest cause of my shame, which leads to more self-punishing behavior. Right. You know? And then when we don't like our bodies and we're trying to control it, we're being mean to ourselves, we're starving, we're restricting, we're now making ourselves exercise like ridiculous. And then when we don't like our bodies, we don't think we're worth anything. And then we are not willing to use our voices because who's going to use their voice and advocate for someone who we don't even like. And that right. is the miserable cycle that I'm, I want everyone to be done with because it's exhausting. Will you tell me about what happened to help you change a number of years ago that brought you to a place where you can be so much healthier? Um, more recently or after the eating disorder? No, more like you said at the beginning that you used to have a deep sense of self-hate and self-worth and that quite a, a few years ago, things changed. Things didn't really change until early 2019 for me. Um, actually, what happened was I was also a very heavy drinker. I'd say I, I'm an alcoholic. And I slipped one day in my bathroom and fell and broke two ribs. And I had this massive bruise from my blood being thin from all the alcohol. And the, you know, the doctor is like, oh my God, you could have ruptured your spleen. This was after I'd already had a pretty bad case of pancreatitis from my drinking, which didn't make me stop drinking, but something about the broken ribs. And I remember looking in the mirror and I got this big bruise and I got this big belly and just saying, I'm done. Um, like you and, hit your bottom. You were just overwhelmed. Yes. I was just like, and I was in a really bad living situation that was going south. We were possibly going to be evicted. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. So it, I just saw two things. Either I'm going to be homeless and overweight and drunk, or I have to take a step, an uncomfortable step, but in the right direction. And it felt like once I did that just a little bit, there was something there that met me halfway. Um, so I, I love what you just said about an uncomfortable step because we have to be honest, nothing is going to be easy. Just because it's a simple concept doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And one of my favorite sayings in the whole world is that the only way out is through, that there's no shortcuts. And I remember being stuck in, I'm a visual person. So I remember being at this like fair amusement park with my middle son who's totally got anxiety. And we went into what we thought was a fun house, but it was actually a haunted house. We didn't know that, like a haunted maze. And we were stuck like in the middle. It was pitch black with like strobe lights and he's legally blind and I'm legally blind. And he's crying and he's screaming and he's like, I want to get out. And I'm like, Lincoln, the only way out is through. We have to keep going. Aww. And, you know, I mean, I had to keep saying him. He's like, I want to be out. Like he wanted to be lifted away and there was no exit. Like we had to keep going. And that really is what this is about. There is no exit. We have to keep walking through it. And sometimes it's not going to be easy and we're going to fall down and we're going to think, oh, what's the point? But there is a point because I want to hear once you took those first steps, what have you done today to get to a place where you've brought yourself from a three to an eight with your body, a two to a nine with your self-worth and a zero to a seven with your, your voice? Yeah, um, I, I ended up going to a, like an intensive outpatient treatment and that there were ups and downs there at one point in the middle of it I said I'm not doing this anymore and I left and then a couple of weeks later I went back um I got I ended up finding a new apartment like things mostly went up there were you know some dips I started meditating which was huge and doing I got to meditation through um 
doing mindfulness exercises in the outpatient treatment program. And I just found my mental clarity was going up again, which was always had been something that was important to me before I started drinking so heavily. And that was very exciting. And I thought, hmm, maybe I could, you know, do all these things that, you know, I, I, I went to law school a number of years ago. I hadn't done anything with my law degree. Oh, maybe I could do something with this law degree. And it was just that spark of hope. Yeah, I was just, I was hearing that when you were talking there, I, I was hearing hope because you saw like these little baby glimmers of what else there is. Yeah, that was exactly it. And then, I don't know, um, I, I just started figuring out who I was and most importantly that I don't have to please everybody. I can because I had no idea what I wanted to do. Even when I graduated law school, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this degree. Uh, I, I was just terrified. You know, for most of my life, I think most of these kind of the poor decisions I've made just spring out of fear that I'm never going to do it right. Uh, what if I make the wrong decision was always a big one for me. I had so much trouble making decisions over any little thing. So how do you combat that today? I, I trust my intuition today. I find that I'm a very intuitive person. And it used to be like the doctors would say one of my biggest issues was poor impulse control. So here's some medication or, you know, we got to get your impulses down. But I kind of was able to reframe that into, well, if I, you know, your impulse is also, it's a gut feeling like intuition. It's just intuition's the positive kind of version. So doing stuff like meditation, um, just baby steps towards eating healthier, changing my diet, um, exercising more, kind of that the fear, that ego-based fear went down. So then I could hear my intuition. And now I just follow that. I don't overanalyze like I used to. Mm -hmm. Very exciting because I could spend just hours and hours making, trying to make the smallest decision and or saying something like, oh, I need a drink first so I can figure this out and right. I don't have to do that anymore. That's so freeing. I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> did you, bring, did you bring a quote today? If you didn't, it's okay. I don't think so. No worries. No. We'll, you know what we're gonna do? We'll do lightning round. Okay. Ready? I'm so grateful. So lightning round is just whatever comes to mind. We're just going to be honest and get it out. So what is beautiful to you? <laughs> People who love animals are beautiful to me. That's awesome. If you could go back to the 17, 18 year old self that was having the eating disorder, that was self-hatred and all of that, what would you like to say to her today? I would like to tell her to stop caring so much what other people think. It's not worth it. And you'll be so much happier once you figure that out. It's true because you know what I figured out along the way myself is the people that I cared so much what they thought about, if they didn't like me for who I was, I shouldn't be friends with them anyways. And not everybody's going to be happy with all of our decisions. It's just not humanly possible. So I have to be okay with it. Right? Right. Um, tell me what part of your body judgment you would like to let go of. Um, physically, 
Like, I, what would you wish you could stop being mean to yourself or being judgy about in terms of your body image? Um, or maybe nothing. No, I'm still pretty. I kind of beat myself up because I still have a little bit of a belly. Um, that is because I was once heavier and lost weight. So it's still a little, like a little too much pudge there for my taste. And I had also, I used to grind my teeth really bad because I was so tense and I'm still getting them fixed. I'm in the process of getting them fixed. But sometimes when I look in the mirror, I, I beat myself up a little. Like, Why did you let it get so bad? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Before you got them fixed so that's so that that's still some a little that self mean talk that we all have of right that judging and yes i totally can relate tell me what your 80 year old self would say to you today i hope she'd tell me that i'm amazing i think she would right <laughs> i hope so what is holding you back from getting to a place where you feel that you're enough in all areas? Uh, I still, I have, I'm still not completely in the career that I want to be in. And I'm, I feel like I might procrastinate a little bit, still getting there out of fear. So that's probably my biggest hang up. There's a little more, you know, self-confidence work to be done. You know what I've learned with self-confidence? is the, the more you do it, the, the easier it gets. And it's yeah. not easy, right? It's, but that's that knowing our words and using our voice. And there's two tools I love to use for this. So one of them is to say, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like to awfulize it and really take myself to the place of what is the worst scenario if I make this decision so I can feel it, right? That's a really good, that's a really good technique. I've used that one myself. Get you know, it, write it down. Do in addition, is what is the best thing that could happen? I never go there. I always go to the worst situation. But what if, what if this happens and it ends up turning out really good? Right. What's the best case scenario? Yeah. Uh, I've done that. I've written down the worst and then written down the best. And then when I start writing down the best, I keep going with it and just try to feel how great that would feel. And all of a sudden I'm a little less, it feels a little more natural. A lot more natural. I love that. I just have a few more. What does it mean to be a strong woman? Standing in her own power, embracing your own power. I love that. What do you want others to say about you? I want them to say that I'm, I, somebody one time called me good crazy and mm. I took that as a huge compliment. I want them to say that I was bold and brave and I've kind. known you for a half an hour and I can say you're bold and brave uh thank you you're like a perfect stranger all oh, you're ugly and you're beautiful so I think that's pretty bold and brave thank you I appreciate that I have two more questions if you found out that December 31st 2021 was your last day on earth what would you do this year um I'd go skydiving again I'd go swimming with sharks I write a book, which I'm planning on doing anyway. I have to tell you that you have to start doing these things because none of us are guaranteed anything, right? Right. Last question. What piece of advice would you want every woman that's listening to hear? 
Oh, I just I just thought of a quote actually. Oh, good. <laughs> by, my, by my favorite author, Stephen King. You can, you should, and if you're brave enough to start, you will. Say it one more time. You can, you should, and if you're brave enough to start, you will. I love that. That gives me chills. Look, your bird landed on your shoulder. I love that. So is that your piece of advice also? Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm quoting him. Um, I love it. I got chills when I read it too. I love it. I'm so grateful to have met you and just to, I got to watch your brave boldness right in front of me. And you know what people don't get to see because this is audio is you have light coming out of you. It's just, oh, it's thank you. and I can tell you as a woman who's 22 years sober that the best is yet to come and it's going to get better and better. And every year of your life, you're going to celebrate and say that you get to be the next stage. Right. I hope so. I appreciate that. I'm so grateful for your time. I'm grateful for your time too. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you are willing to rate, review, and share with your people, it makes such a difference for others to find it. And if you wanted to check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, it's available on Amazon as an audiobook with me narrating, a paperback, and digital. I promise you, you will love it. Have an awesome day. And one more thing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you. La 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 la